everybody. When you hear that music, you know that this is time for the latter side of baseball. And today we have our self-proclaimed co-host, Craig Kashan, on the other end. And it's great to have a co-host, man. I mean, I know your salary is higher than mine, but still, it's nice to have you around. What's up? Well, man, I didn't know anything above zero was high, but I, I still haven't achieved that point yet. But uh, I'm doing great, man. It's uh, good to be back with you. And um, we're, we're uh, hopefully getting sports back in gear here pretty soon. And I can hardly wait for NBA to get going again and, and baseball to get back on track and stuff. And um and get rid of covid here man we gotta we gotta get rid of this stuff well you know when we first started and every now and then i go back and listen and try to to uh you know recapture some of the uh podcast history that you and i have made and we were hopeful that by february and now this was back in march april may we were talking about being hopeful that a vaccine would be on the on the scene in February. And I think, I think it's going to um, maybe even be sooner than that for fat old people with heart conditions like me. I love it. <laughs> so you're, you're a, a high priority uh, first taker on that, right? I, I got to tell you that I'd be happy to be the guinea pig, stand in line, do whatever they want me to do to, uh, I think I, I, you know, yeah, I'm ready. <laughs> well. If we can get our country straightened out here and, and uh, get going on that, that'd be a, that'd be a great thing for sure. But, you know, it is funny. I when it all started and how it's a, you know, I, I always looked at it first and how it's affected the sports world and my job and my world. And at first I didn't look at, at this as being how it's affecting me personally. But I think over time, especially with that first long layoff I had between March and getting back going at the end of July and beginning of, of August, it, it does take a toll, you know, mentally on people. It did on me and I know it does, it has on millions of people and stuff. And then, and then I got back to work and things weren't the same. And now I'm back off again, you know, waiting for the next league to start back up. Hopefully that's the NBA, you know, by December and stuff. But, you know, as we go along, it is, um, I, I go back to, you know, a remark you made about going back to March and making predictions on things and, and trying to, you know, uh, look into the crystal ball. It, it's very becoming very apparent to me that we won't have uh, a normal again. And that's, that's okay. I mean, life changes, but I, I'm not sure that we're going to have a ton of fans in the stands, you know, uh, much before a full year, year circle on this, which would take us to March and maybe even into baseball season and NBA's, you know, set their, um, their key dates out and, and their finals aren't going to end until uh, middle of July this year instead of the middle of June. So they're, they're pushing everything back, hoping to get fans in the stands. I mean, that's the bottom line right now. That's the big missing link. The players are there, um, but the fans aren't. And, and it's just not, sports without the fans there it's just not all the way it's just not a complete enjoyable cycle without the fans there i totally agree it's not even a it's not even a close call and there's some sports like watching the nfl on tv is not as horrible as watching a few other sports um i'm not sure why and i i have dropped my 
viewing time to God, I don't know how much, but I mean, I, uh, maybe if the Bears play the Packers, I'll watch that game. But other than that, I I, I don't like it. And, and a point that, that really was rammed home this weekend was I could have cared less about watching the Masters, and it wasn't because Dustin Johnson had a five-stroke lead at the end of the day. There's nobody out there. I mean, it's just a yeah. big grass, beautiful. It's just not the same. Same with baseball. And you know my feeling, if the fans don't go, don't play. Now. The Chiefs have had 25% um, occupancy for all their home games, plus the suites are full, and they haven't had any noticeable problem with people getting sick after they went to the game. Not that I don't know how you'd find that out. But I'm, I'm just hopeful that uh, MLB will gradually allow folks to come in uh, learn from the World Series and vaccines, and by the All Star break, maybe everybody comes in, but you got to wear a mask. Um, I don't know. I'm I'm hopeful of that. But yeah, I think you're I'm probably right. I think I think whatever protocols you're in right now, uh, you're you're going to see those carry on for some time. I I really believe. Um, and, and it is it is interesting, you know, without without the fans at certain sports and stuff. I'm I'm almost becoming, <clears throat> as much as I was a, a fan of having the the cardboard fans, you know, in at baseball parks and stuff, because it seemed to just fill the time. I really have a hard time now seeing that at at some of these stadiums now. And then uh, as some of these sports are cutting the commercial, they're going to the 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 virtual fans who are have been invited to link in to maybe 20 screens uh, with the organization, you know, having, having that go on either. It just, um, it just, again, it's, it's just not having fans in the stands, but, but I also, I find it interesting. I think you bring up a pretty good point. You know, COVID right now is, is rampant across the country. We understand that. And there's really nothing right now that's stopping the spread whether you're wearing a mask or not, or staying at home or not, to me, it, I mean, I'm no expert, but allowing the suites to be full uh, at uh, Arrowhead and allowing 25% capacity, I don't think has um, been detrimental to preventing the spread at this point. I, I'm not sure it makes a difference one way or the other. I, I think I think it's out there right now. Um, if I'm going to a store, I probably feel more comfortable right now. If everyone's in a mask, but I, I don't know. It's it's just the craziest dang thing because we're all supposed to follow these protocols right now, and I think a large amount of people have. But man, it's like door to door. <laughs> uh, nine out of ten people have have got this disease. It's crazy. Yeah, it is crazy, and you know, it everybody. Uh, depending on your political vent, says one thing or another about whether it's spreading faster or whether they're testing more. But the bottom line is, I think the more we learn about it, the more comfortable people get letting their guard down. But one thing I've learned about myself is I'm, pr I'm great at quarantining. I really don't need to go for it. You know, if I go to the golf course. I don't go inside. If I go to a restaurant, I eat outside. And, uh, that may be a problem in January in Chicago, but, um, 
you know, now I feel like we're close to turning the corner, that we're close to getting a vaccine. And whether that's effective, whether that immunizes you till the next year, you know, nobody's really saying how they're going to distribute it. But I remain uh, unusually optimistic that the fans will start coming back. And uh, with the exception of hoping you continue to have gainful employment, I, I'm just uh, taking it one day at a time. And, and uh, you know, we're going up to Chicago for Thanksgiving, but it's only, you know, it's not everybody, not all the kids. And um, I know you talked about kind of changing some of your plans. So uh, you just have to be careful and smart. And, and I think it looks like eating in restaurants you know, going inside places, whether it's a nursing home, a basketball court, or what have you, I think that's where there's more likelihood of catching it. But I mean, my grandkids are playing indoor soccer, indoor basketball. I mean, it's sort of like, okay, <laughs> what's going on? Yeah. Well, and that, you know, that's been going on. And <clears throat> I don't think youth sports um, outside of the, you know, I think youth sports outside of the affiliation with school districts have been almost 100% running. Um, and, and I think um, I would predict at least in the state of Wisconsin that 75% of our school districts are, are having some uh, sports uh, involved. Our, our high school football season is just coming to an end and several I'd say 75% of the schools, if not higher, um, had had high school football on a limited schedule. Um, the county I live in, in Dane County, um, put the Knicks on it. So none of the high schools in this particular county could uh, play a schedule unless they, they were outside of the, uh, they went outside of the county and scheduled a game. But that became very difficult when you're, when your school limits um, or shuts down its school and you can't practice. So um, I feel for a lot of these kids right now. I mean, I, I've got a sophomore in college right now and he played football through the fall of uh, 2019. Um, and actually, well, he graduated in 19 from high school, so 2018. So his next football year would have been cut short. And then this year he wouldn't add anything if he was a couple of years younger. And I feel for all those kids that they can't do anything. I mean, this is the prime of their life. This is what it's all about. Right. So it's, uh, it's become difficult to be sure, but um, you know, hopefully Jamie, we're all going to be stronger for it somewhere down the road. That's, you know, I Absolutely. mean, us is going to be more resilient than you and me in a different way. Well, yeah. <laughs> And in, uh, in regards to uh, that and our good buddy Nelly, this week is the uh, middle of nine days of the Open Arms Home for Children's auction. And yeah. so I'm urging all my listeners to get online. And uh, there's some great stuff. If, if you're a Minnesota Viking fan, which neither you nor I happen to be, uh, there's an awful lot of Minnesota uh, Viking memorabilia there's uh, some good stuff out there. And, and also, folks, you can sponsor a child, pay $1,200 for a high school tuition per, for a kid. And uh, there's other 
folks at Open Arms that are um, willing to triple any donation that's made with respect to sponsoring a child. So uh, everybody, like I said yesterday, go out and buy a, this beautiful coffee table book by Gene Fruth and uh, then get on the Open Arms deal because uh, Nelly would, uh, would, would be uh, really pumping up this auction because it's the only fundraiser they have, no golf tournaments obviously this year so there you go god love yeah. them and, and nelly's on uh, a few of those auction items uh, with uh <laughs> <laughs> and baseball which is which is pretty cool who, yeah. who, who those what's that who donated those items i'd like to know um uh, bob salisa and i donated uh, some of the items so i've i've you know he said send me pictures of four things you think would be cool and uh, the, the Nelly, uh, pictures of Nelly, unlike a picture of you or me. And there was Nelly with President Bush, Nelly with President Clinton, Nelly with Ted Williams, Nelly, blah, blah, blah. And there was a, a, a photograph of, uh, I've got it somewhere around here, Nelly with an African-American in his civilian clothes, which I explained to Solis was Larry Doby. Okay. And, and Solis goes, you're full of baloney. That's Hank Aaron. I go, Bob, it's not Hank Aaron. It's Larry Doby. You know, and he was probably at Cleveland for a ceremonial first pitch as the first African-American in the American League, filed Jackie three weeks later. And... You know, Bob said, you're crazy. I said, look, Newman is down there. Call Jeff, send, send him a picture, and ask him, you know, to break the tie, Hank or, or Larry. Of course, Nunu goes, that's Larry Doby, Bob. Well, what are you going to stop sleep? So the item, and then Solis throws in a Hank Aaron ball. So it's supposedly a picture of... Uh, and he doesn't have the picture on the site. He's got the Hank Aaron ball and then a picture of Dave uh, to, to follow. And uh, I, I didn't see the picture. I wondered about that. So I, I, I couldn't have weighed in on my vote, but I, I did see the ball. Oh, my gosh. It's hilarious. So that's, that's, that, that is the, uh, the saga with, with uh, identifying Larry Doby. But um, some cool items. You know, it would help if you knew you could travel next year. I would not mind going to see the PGA at Kiwa Island, for example. That'd be cool. You know, it's during a time when you're working and everything. But, uh, yeah. yeah, that's cool. And there have been a couple interesting developments in baseball that I guess we could talk about. Um, and I can't – I don't – you know, I even went to a YouTube to try to figure out how to say the first female general manager's last name. Um, her first name is Kim, and then it's – it's spelled NG, and the, the guy with the YouTube said it's pronounced N. So uh, I don't know. I, what? Going, <laughs> how do you say it? Ang, like A N G, oh. Kim Ang. All right. So, yeah. So, yeah. So she, she's actually having a, a press conference, uh, her first press conference this morning and stuff. So that's uh, obviously monumental. I, I don't know on your end, but I was. Um, it just wasn't on my radar because I, I don't track and keep, you know, keep uh, track of what teams need GMs and stuff at this point. I, I think from a, a worldwide baseball standpoint, it's probably 
you know, less sexy to know who everybody's GM is versus who's everybody, everybody's manager is, who's, who's taking care of the guys on the field and whatnot, other than if that's your team. And um, obviously, you know, we, we know uh, who each other's general managers and, and BPs are for baseball operations and stuff. But um, it, it wasn't on my radar to, to think that um, whether there's been a first woman or not in there. Um, so I, I was like, wow, that's that's an eye opener. Um, that that's great. It's uh, it's another step in baseball history that, you know, um, if you want to go all the way back to, to Jackie Robinson and stuff, um, I, I think that's that's kind of a cool thing. And and her resume is long and extensive, and it looks like it's a well-deserved honor for for her. So we'll see where the organization goes and, and what they're thinking of doing and stuff and, and how, how it's going to change what they've done since uh, Derek Jeter bought the, bought the Marlins a few years ago. Yeah, I mean, I, I was pretty critical of some of the moves that, and the salary dumping that those guys were going through. I think after Jeff Loria gutted that deal, um, it was probably fitting to try to unload a lot of that uh, payroll. But, you know, they had a good postseason, and now they've come up with a, a, a female, I think, Asian-American that's a general manager. And so... It kind of hit when I was interviewing Gene Fruth, the photographer that was in grassroots baseball. And, you know, journalism in, in, in baseball and probably every other sport is a male-dominated uh, activity. And so when I was uh, talking with Gene Fruth, and she's just a spectacular one of the supposedly one of the preeminent sports photographers in all of sports and is a designated Latino photographer of the decade or so. I don't know. She's very good and her work's great. And it's in that book that I keep pitching. But about that time, Kim was announced as the general manager. And then I started think, <clears throat> thinking about the Oakland A's and the San Francisco Giants have a public address announcer that, that are female and the Yankees have a, um, an analyst, I guess, uh, she's not the play-by-play -play person that uh, does some of the radio for the Yankees network. And then also um, Jessica Mendoza, I guess, on ESPN. I think that's her name. So yeah. it's cool that, uh, you know, guys like me thought, oh, my God, there's no way in the world a woman could replace Bob Elson or Milo Hamilton <laughs> or or anybody. And uh, regardless of the fact that it competes in your world, I think you would agree with me that it's pretty cool. It is, it is cool. And, um, you know, I, I think there are, I think that the bottom line is, <clears throat> is this, if, if you go uh, back to Jackie Robinson being the first uh, black baseball player in the major leagues, how, how did he get there? Uh, if you and I know the history and if people don't know the history, it all starts with, a comfort level and Walter O'Malley had a comfort level uh, when they signed him to a minor league deal and brought him up through their minor league system. He, he targeted a guy like Jackie Robinson because he knew the world was ready to have the color barrier broken. And, and it worked out. It worked out. Uh, it was hard on Jackie, but it's all about the person who can handle it. And 
Um, now Kim Eng is doing something that no other woman has done in professional sports, and that's that's basically being in charge of putting a team on the field and yeah. and setting her staff. and And believe me, I, I don't know how much you've gone on social media, but you know, there's a high percentage of of people who are laughing at this, think it's a joke. Um, um, think that because she's running the Marlins, that the Marlins are already a joke. Um, and so that's, that's kind of, to me, the sad part about this. Wow. Um, but, but it is, this, this is the world we live in too, right? That should be no surprise, but, um, True. True. Marlins, um, th- have a comfort level, um, and within their whole organization. I don't think it's one person who made this decision. Um, so, I think that's the the bottom line, the the base on everything. Uh, whether you go back to Jackie or you're bring it all the way up to, to Kim Ang right now. No, I think that's true, and I, you know, I'm not proficient enough to get into social media. I'd like to get into social media to get this beautiful podcast out there to millions of people who could rip on me and praise you. But the the nice thing about not knowing or getting on a social media is you, you just kind of form your own opinion, uh, whether it's in politics or sports. And, and I, you know, my hat goes off to, uh, to the Marlins for doing that. I think that on the flip side, and this is, you know, maybe we can talk about your pet peeves. One of my pet peeves is, well, the first one is guys that sign autographs that I can't friggin' read. I got about 50 balls from Nelly and I, you know, I, I wish he was here for a lot of reasons, and we both miss him a lot and have such a great uh, relationship with him. But there's so many baseballs he had where, dude, you should have written down who these people were. It could have been, for all I know, Duke Snyder, but although Duke's got a nice signature, but these, you know, I got all the, that's, that's one pet peeve. I, I digress, which I usually do. The second, as it relates to females in the world of sports, uh, and sports broadcasts, I think that it's so, I'm not sure what the right word is. It's so um, phony that the NFL just puts women on the sidelines. You know, they've got the Aaron Andrews of the world. They've got every, every major network. Let's go down to Michelle blah, blah, blah for, you know, her two seconds of grabbing a coach on his way to the locker. I don't know. Why don't they put him in the booth? Well, I mean, I mean, look, there's, they, they started the concept of having three people on a broadcast and, and it, you know, it all started as a two, two person booth. And where do you put the third person? Well, now there's great. There was when wireless microphones and wireless, uh, camera connectivity and more access to teams and players became available here over the last 20 years or whatever it's been um, having somebody on the field to talk to the coach or to observe what's going on uh, kind of behind the scenes while that while the game's going on what's happening you know off the sidelines and stuff like that with football I mean I did that job and, and once in a while um, you came up with a, a pretty productive, report that only you could see and once in a while you put out a report that was so damn obvious anybody could have done it um but it's you know it it just it's part of the package um and and you know 
I, I think having a woman in, in sports at any level, it's, it's what you've done to earn it there. I mean, I, I came in as a play-by-play guy and reporter, and that's how I earned my way up through my television system. I didn't, I didn't play sports at a high level at any degree. I just, I just became a professional in the business and a trusted person who could do a job. And, and that's, that's why anybody hopefully gets a job. And whether, you know, whether it's an athlete earning a promotion or Kim Ang earning a promotion with, you know, being the first female GM in professional sports, whatever it is. So, um, I mean, that's, that's how it all works. I mean, that sounds like a diplomatic answer, but it's true. I look at myself in that same light, you know, again, I, I didn't play sports at a high level at all. And a lot of us play by play guys or reporters didn't, but some did. So, and all, and here we are, you know, well, and the Brewers, you know, take advantage of that with the uh, same same wonderful woman doing the on-the-field interviews and a little bit of the pregame with you guys from a different different area. And she does a nice job. Um, if I were the production manager and the owner of the franchise, the, the broadcast franchise, I think I'd keep you and Augie rotating with her during the course of the year so that, um, you know, we'd, we'd see you every day, but it might not be in the same, same role. Now, good news for you. I have zero chance of that ever happening. <laughs> so you're in luck, but, but, um, so running to be our, our next production manager. <laughs> uh, yeah, she, she's good. I, I really, I, um, she does a nice job and she does a nice job talking about press conferences that she was just at and, you know, interpreting sometimes. So she can, she can talk to our Latin players uh, in, and conduct an interview without an interpreter, which, um, you know, makes her job that much more um, important and, and unique and um, really builds such a comfort level within the organization. There's, um, you know, a lot of guys that aren't really comfortable with broken English uh, or learning English right now, maybe at a young age. And, and um, that, that's, that's really, really important, especially in baseball. So that, that, that sets her apart in a lot of ways as well. Yeah. Don't you, don't you wish that we could fluently speak Spanish besides hola como estas? Yeah, no, I, I'm with you, man. I, I, uh, I sometimes <laughs> kick myself. Of what, what am I doing during the off season? I can learn to speak yeah. Spanish. Well, hadn't happened. The voice of the uh, Rangers, uh, Eric Nadell, who I did a podcast with, did that very thing. So that he felt like he was missing out on interviews uh, to supplement his broadcast, and um, and he learned it. Now I took Spanish one at least four times between seventh grade and college. And I never quite, I did really good in Spanish one. I never quite made it through Spanish two very effectively. So, you know, I could take 18 off seasons and I'd never, I don't think I'd learn it, but. Yeah. Well, sometimes I, <laughs> it's funny you say that. Cause I think I pretty much did the same thing and uh, for whatever reason it didn't stick. So uh, shame on us, right? Shame on us. So, to get back to the beginning of the podcast, I had uh, uh, 
conversed with Dwayne Stats, and he was all pumped up to do the uh, broad, do the podcast with us. He went to Houston and he got laryngitis. So um, hopefully next week, maybe uh, uh, Dwayne will be back in Florida, and we could uh, we could do a podcast together, or when it's convenient for both you guys. That'd be great. That'd be great. We uh, we could hit a home run with that one for sure. Uh, well, yeah, I could just sit back and not say anything and let you guys talk, and everybody would be happier. So speaking of Kim Ang being one of the younger first females, uh, how about La Russa? He piled up another DWI, uh, I guess, when he was down in Arizona. You heard that news? Oh, yeah. Yeah, what was that? Uh, was that uh, reported the day before or the day after or something like that, I, that the White Sox hired him? Yeah. I- that that you know, I, I I don't know how to how to think about that, Jamie. I he's a, he's a different cat that I know. With his, he's got a different disposition than most people. I think um, his reputation, you know, everyone knows what his reputation is, and um, I think people get uh, turned off by some of the remarks that you know, he can make, and he obviously made to the police officer during that, his second uh, uh, DUI arrest, the, the you, do you know who I am? You know where I've been type thing. See this ring, whatever it is. And I don't know, I, I, uh, I really think after, after learning about all this stuff, you know, a lot of people have lost their jobs or um, have not gained that promotion that they thought that they earned over things like this. And it'll be, it'll be interesting to see if the White Sox decide to part ways or not. They certainly have time to do it. It's, it's only November. Um, it's not like they have to make a rash decision just because this news has been announced, but um, that's kind of my take on that. I think they have to take a serious look at, you know, who they have now and, and what his most recent history is and how he's dealt with. I mean, those are, those are pretty important circumstances. And so if one of your players, you know, are you going to tell your player to do that same thing that you did? Um, are you going to sincerely apologize for it? I, I don't know. He's, he's a different cat when it comes to that. So I, I don't know how to, how to take his sincerity or not. Well, he makes Dusty Baker look like one of the younger managers in the game. That's for sure. Yeah. Yeah. He, um, you know, uh, full disclosure, he got rid of Nelly as a coach, which I never really understood. So I don't like him for that. And, um, you know, his, his public attitude is less than uh, beneficial, I think, to the sport of baseball. So, um, on the one hand, I'm a little surprised that that um, that he got hired. I'm not surprised that he's not going to get. I don't think Ryan Storff will fire him. Um, I think that another surprise is, you know, Jerry. One of the things that he was always criticized for a little bit was he's so loyal, and you know, he stuck with Ozzy Gian probably a year or two longer than most people would have. Stuck with Robin Ventura for a long time without Robin really doing much. And yet Renteria, who really did a nice job, and you can't, you, sh- you know, in my opinion, you shouldn't fire a guy because of what he did in the playoffs. He got to the playoffs and, um, you know, he really developed two teams, the Cubs and the White Sox. 
and then for, you know, thanks, but uh, see you later. And I think for all those same reasons, Reinstorf will keep hold of LaRusso. Uh, you know, Jerry's at the age where he doesn't care what people think. You know, he, he survived the white flag when he got rid of everybody back in the, in the uh, 80s. And uh, he doesn't, I, don't, I think he figures, look, I'm not going to be around that much longer. I'm going to have who I want. And uh, we, can, we can drink some wine and smoke a cigar after the game. I don't know. I mean, I, I have not talked to Reinstorf since all this happened, but um, I did talk to a person pretty close to him, and he just said, you know, it's Jerry. He's being Jerry. So it's, so, uh, it's too bad, I think. You're a Chicago guy. You know him. You have a history with him. Um, can he make – does he still have ownership in the Bulls? Yeah, totally. So he has ownership in the White Sox and the Bulls, correct? Yep. So look at look at the, those two organizations. Um, they both made coaching changes and managerial changes going into this upcoming season. And look at the differences of the people that were hired to run each club. They took they took Tony Larusa at seventy six, an absolute shocker publicly a public shocker of a hire to be his field manager and run his his young and up and coming talented organization and he took or the organization for the bulls took billy donovan who had done a magnificent job was uh co-coach of the year in the nba uh, did a great job at Oklahoma City, minus one at a time all their big stars that they traded away, and and hired him, and, and he hired a, a great coaching staff, and they're ready to go uh, in the NBA with a much less talented organization of, of players. It's, it's very interesting. The It's almost a 180 on – and here you look at the one of the guys that is uh, one of the leaders at the top of both organizations. Yeah. It's kind of remarkable to look at, if you ask me. Well, he clearly he may not be the the guy with the most stock, but he's close, and he's the guy with the most clout for both. Now his son runs the Bulls, quote unquote, runs the Bulls, and his kind of adopted son. I'd call Kenny Williams like a son to Jerry. He's oh, yeah. part of the White Sox guy. And, you know, Reinsdorf uh, got Williams out of Stanford, and he loved Kenny, loved his dad, loved the whole thing, and has has this deep feeling of, of uh, love or what have you for some people in the world. And I, I respect Jerry as much as anybody. We don't agree on very much, but he doesn't care. <laughs> and so, you know, I think that you raise a great point. And I always, I always, you know, I'm not a big NBA fan. I used to follow the Bulls a little bit. I follow the whoever. But, um, you know, that, that's, a, that's a brilliant point that you raise in the comparison of those two guys. And it'll be interesting to see who goes in which direction. And it's also going to be interesting to see who LaRusa names as coaches. If he brings back Dave Duncan, if he brings back, you know, the whole crowd uh, that he had before, well, he's, you know, some of them aren't around, but that, uh, it's going to be interesting. We'll see what, see what, what happens, but 
I don't know. Are there any other managerial moves that you want to talk about other than rewarding cheaters? Um, not entirely because we already covered that. <laughs> but well, um, you know, you got no. Joe, you got Cora getting hired by the Red Sox and and yeah. um, Hinch getting hired by the the. Um, Cora with the with the Red Sox. The last time you and I talked, that that wasn't. Um, I'm not sure how much that was publicly on the radar. As much as uh, I think that day, uh, it was announced that Ron Renicky wouldn't be coming back. But that was that was no surprise. Right. Um, were you surprised that they they basically said to Cora, "We're going to suspend you for a year, but we're going to bring you back"? I mean, it was it as simple as that a year ago? Uh, you know, back in. April or, or March, whenever this all broke. Well, you know, it looks like it because they just act, they they treated Renicky like just a, a rent a manager. There was no no illusion that hey, you know, see what you can do because um, in in terms of his qualifications, he's totally qualified to be a major league manager uh, as much, if not more, than Cora. Um, Dusty kind of had the same deal, but I. You know, you didn't get the feeling that Dusty was a rental, a rental manager. Uh, and I don't know what his, if he's got another year on his contract or if he's coming back. I haven't seen anything on that. In fact, don't you think it's been kind of a quiet, weird offseason? Well, yes, it has. But I think part of that is, um, I think part of that is the next transition into dealing with COVID, to be honest with you. I think it's, I think it was that way, you know, for the NBA, when the NBA uh, was still uh, before the NBA finals hit uh, beginning of October, they had publicly made up their mind that they were not going to start um, games up again. And, and unless fans were going to be allowed in arenas at some capacity so they shut down the fact that they would get going before the end of this calendar year, maybe sometime in January, February. Then about a month goes by, and I've been telling you this since before the season was even over, getting the next season going is going to be a much harder decision to make when you're continuing to lose money. And the longer you let players go without playing, um, there's going to be a loss. These guys aren't old <laughs> that they're playing ball. Um, you need to get them back on the court. You can't lose your identity with fans. You need to get going as quickly as you can. Then all of a sudden they announce, yep, we want to get going even before Christmas now. And that ticked off, you know, some guys who played it, you know, through October, uh, but they didn't have enough rest, but it's, it's not normal anymore. It hasn't been. And so um, I think this transition, with baseball right now is kind of the same thing. They're, they're more dialed in for next season on a regular schedule with spring training dates already reporting a spring training schedule already out there, uh, a schedule for 2021 already there on the major league regular season. So they know what's out there. They just haven't transitioned um, to figure out, you know, what did we really lose? What do we need to gain? Um, and who's, who's going to be available for certain teams to, to sign or not to sign at this point. So, and don't forget the, the whole minor league system is very much up in the air and very, uh, in flux right now with 
huge diminishes in what's happening on the minor league level right now and, and how these clubs are going to continue to develop uh, the few that they dra drafted five, each team drafted five players um, this past summer. And it, that's crazy to think when you're used to drafting between 40 and 50 players and having a huge minor league system. So there's those types of things I think um, need to be sewn up maybe first so they know what's happening, you know, with, hey, where's, what's the depth going to be of our 26-man roster when we start spring training? You know, where, where are the next 26 guys going to be playing ball right now? I mean, that's, that's very much up in the air with every in, – in the whole Major League Baseball circuit right now. Yeah, well, the two words that are the most uh, pressing that you mentioned are going broke. These guys are losing a lot of money. Yeah. Players, you know, the players came out of this thing from the Major League Baseball in pretty good position. You know, they got a prorated share of being overpaid, in my opinion. So uh, even though they, they sacrificed uh, maybe uh, 40% or 50% of their salary, they still not only – came out pretty well for the most part, even the guys making minimum salary. But they also had more players getting a world, uh, playoff shares, and they had their all their bonuses in their contract took effect. Hugh Darvish finishes second in the uh, Cy Young voting, and he gets a million a year for two years as a bonus. And, yeah. you know, to his credit, he says he's going to, you know, donate to charity a lot of that. But, you know... The owners are, and I'm not a fan of the owners, but they're taking a pretty big hit. And as you and I said, next year ain't looking all that good at the beginning. And throw this in there. You got the collective bargaining agreement up for uh, negotiation, and they ain't exactly hugging and kissing each other, referring to the players and the, and the owner. And, yeah. then you've, and then you've got, which, the, the you know, having been involved with the Omaha Royals, this minor league thing is absurd i mean it's just it's gross um greed from the owners they finally figure out hey the table's turned and these guys are you know it's a valuable little deal so we're going to screw the minor league guys unless they do what we want them to do and the draft that you bring up you go back and 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 one of my favorite things is when you hear about a good player look where he was drafted and you know whether it's a piazza getting drafted in the 65th round because he was Tommy Lasorda's nephew or Brett Saberhagen getting drafted as a shortstop in the 18th round or a Don Mattingly, you stop at six. And what are these other guys that, that decide, well, I didn't get drafted and I don't have an agent um, and there's nowhere to play anyway. It's just an ugly situation for the, uh, and I don't know if it's because, they did so well financially, the owners did, that, that, that they can't get used to the fact that they still aren't raking in the bucks. I don't know. But I feel sorry for the guy buying the Royals and then not having a game for a year and a half, or a guy buying a minor league team, a double-A team, for seven or eight million bucks, and it may be gone next year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, I, I think it's been uh, rather abrupt. Um, I don't I – don't, keep a, as close an eye on how the minor league systems 
have been running the last couple of years, but it seems to me that this has been uh, over the course of this past calendar year, pretty abrupt decision. And I think it's becoming rather clear because it, there's, there's nothing uh, publicly high on the list of how they're going to fix this and in which direction they're going to go. Um, and so many teams have also uh, cut their entire scouting department loose. So that, that goes to show you right there, if there's going to be a, a, a similar minor league type of association, um, I, I don't see how that could possibly be uh, because the way of figuring out the talent is much different. I, I don't know. Maybe, maybe they're all going to say, yep, we could do it again at a different, in a different way. And we're not going to have scouts period because we have everything on video and that's how we're, we're going to do it in house. And yeah. it's, and that, and that's obviously um, where they're transitioning to. It's obviously going to be that way, but, but still the, the signs of how we know minor league baseball and the associations is, is clearly taking a turn in another direction. That's true. Well, you know? luckily in a week, Craig and I will be back to, sh to, to give our thoughts on how all this gets fixed. Because if there were any more progressive thinking baseball people than Craig Kishan and then amateuristic me, uh, <laughs> you folks are in for a treat in a week, and maybe we can hope that uh, Dwayne Stats will join us. But in the meantime, for the lighter side of uh, baseball, and next week, I swear to goodness, we're going to come up with something funny because we need something light. This was not light. So, Mr. Kishan, our co-host. Uh, it was Informative, though. It was informative, and uh, my buddy, potential sponsor, Papa Kino's Pizza, opens on November 23rd. So, you know, maybe I'll bring a frozen pizza for you, and we can get together in Madison or Milwaukee or wherever the heck we can here in the next few few weeks to, to catch up in person and have a glass of wine. Does, does Wards have outdoor tables? <laughs> They they do, but I think I think we can um, socially distance ourselves inside. That that All would right, be my. <laughs> All right, you have a great weekend, and uh, thanks again for joining uh, the lighter side of baseball, man. You're awesome. You're the best, pal. Talk to you soon.